Matthew chapter 2 again this evening. It was probably the spring of 1993. Uh, there was a, some kind of a charity fundraiser going on at some local park, and <clears throat> me and a few of my teammates got invited to come uh, do some activities there. And of course, when you, when you are a part of a, some of you, some of you older folk know what I'm talking about. Of course, JC used to have this too. Jeff City football team was a state championship team for many years, and so a lot of the Friday night activities revolved around that football game. And, and, and Jeff City is a bigger city than the town I lived in at the time. I lived in a city of about 15,000 people, but everybody went to the games. You know, it was, it was a big, small town type thing. And uh, <clears throat> we had won the second state championship, and at the time I had been, received a lot of uh, awards. And it's, I'm not going to get on that. You all have heard me share the testimony before. So I got to go to this radio interview, and, and the radio interview, the guy that was interviewing me, he's a well-known media guy in our town. He's, he was a really good guy. He, um, he threw a fast one on me. He began to ask me about my dad. Uh, when I played, and my, I could see my dad's sign from the stands in the, in the, from the field. Uh, if you're hearing, you can't hear your dad yell at you in a football stadium. You can on a basketball court sometimes. Trust me, my kids can tell you they heard my voice many times on a basketball court. But in a football stadium, it's different, especially our games would sometimes have eight to 12, 15,000 people come to the games. Thousands of people would come, and so it was very loud. But I could see my dad sign to me. And my coaches got wind of that, and they didn't care. And the media got wind of it. They did a story about it. Uh, then when my brother was playing several years later, same thing happened to him in Pennsylvania, and the media picked up on that. And they did a story about that, too. They thought it was really neat that a father and a son could communicate there. And so he asked me, this question about it, and this was the interview. This is your pastor's voice. It's 17 years old, and uh, you'll be ready. We'll go ahead and play this clip real quickly. Unique relationship. He's deaf, and I think one of the uh, more unique things I've ever seen in football. The last couple of years, I had a chance to see Daniel play when you would come off the field. You always seem to, to be able to find your dad in the stands. I often wondered exactly what he was signing down to you because sometimes it was more animated than others. But I mean, you just don't see that kind of relationship between a father and son. I mean, I saw it with Phil and Paul Morris, what you and your dad kind of reminds me of the same thing. Yeah, he, my coaches can only watch me so much. They can make corrections the next morning on film because they got to watch the whole team. But my father watches me as an, in, an individual and he sees my mistakes. And, you know, through sign language, it's an advantage because when I come off that field, he can easily, you know, say, sometimes he'll be upset with the way I played. He might say, you're slow or you're, you're, you're lazy out there. But other times he comes in and says, yeah, great sack or, you know, something like that. And it, when he says stuff like that, it makes me really excited. I know that his eyes are on me at all times. So I want to, that's what makes me, more determined because I hate to have my dad a little disappointed in my play. <laughs> and your dad knows football. So I know it's a little muffled, but he asked me about that, and he said your dad would sign to you as you come off the field, and sometimes it's more animated than others. And that's usually when I was not doing a good job, and he would let me know that. I think he had actually physically hit my mom a few times on accident when he would sign real big. And, uh, and so mom would have to duck. She usually had no clue what was going on in the field. She would ask after every play, is my boy okay? And he'd say, he's fine. And he'd go back to watching. And, and then the next play, she goes, is my boy okay? Yes, he's fine. And, and, uh, but mom was out every game. I, uh, I make no bones about it. And I have no shame in saying tonight that most of everything I did as a teenager was to make sure my dad was proud of me. I wasn't saved when I was having this interview. And I got offered drugs and alcohol like everybody else in my day at that time and immoral things. But the thought of disappointing my dad 
kept me from a lot of that heartbreak. I'm not ashamed to say today that I wanted to please my dad. I still do. And at the end there it says his eyes were on me at all times. And that's why I didn't play for the college scouts. I didn't play for my coaches. I didn't play for God at the time. Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me. I changed that later on. And I didn't play for myself. I played for my dad. I wanted my dad to be happy. And he wasn't one of those dads that said, if you don't play good, I'm going to disown. He wasn't like that. I don't know how he was taught to be such a good dad. He didn't have church like this. But he was just a great dad. Seeing him in the stands... Of course, he knew the game well, which didn't help me. Because <laughs> if I made a mistake, I knew it. Now, my brother Nick, he's a knucklehead sometimes. He would try to debate with my dad and explain why he messed up. And I'd tell my brother, just shut up and accept it. <laughs> and my dad and him would get in some heated debates. And I'd be like, bro, you're an idiot, you're an idiot, you're an idiot, you're an idiot. <laughs> you don't move your lips. Because if my dad read my lips, then I would be in trouble too. But uh, we, my brother and I probably could have been professional ventriloquists as much as we learned how to talk under our breath. But... But, uh, but I did. I wanted, to, I wanted to please him. And so as soon as I got saved, it was an easy transition for me to say, I just want to do whatever I can to, to please the Lord. But sometimes in life, when you've been saved for a long time, or you've been married for a long time, or you've been preaching for a long time, you begin to lose that, 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 that shine or that joy or that, that excitement you had. The first church of Ephesus in, in the book of Revelation chapter 3, Jesus' biggest rebuke to them is that thou hast, he does not say that they had lost their first love. So many times preachers will preach on that, and they'll say lost, and it seems like that would make more sense, but God does not use the word lost. He said that he had left their first love. They left their first love. And the blessing about leaving your first love, listen to this, this is so profound. I have not lost my car tonight, I have left it somewhere, which means I know where it's at. I have not lost my keys tonight. I have left them somewhere so I know where they're at, you know. And, and Christians, many times, we leave things where they should be. I was recently doing some research and studying on how to keep your marriage strong, and I was doing a little bit of marital counseling and talking to some people. And they said a man will always desire respect and admiration from his wife, and a wife will always desire to be cherished and loved by her husband. And so many times as years go by, you begin to lose some of those, those two powerful attributes that you can give to each other. And wives tonight, if you've had a husband, no matter how long you've been married to him, maybe his hair's gray, his skin's wrinkly, he's not as strong as he used to be, but if that man has worked hard for you and loved you all these years, you ought to thank God for him and, and respect and admire him and thank God that God gave you a man. And, and men, too, if your wife, you know, she's... Boy, the, the, the pressure on this world today to make women look a certain way is just so ridiculous. And I still think after four children and road-weary miles and a pastor's wife for 25 years, she's the most beautiful thing in the world to me. She is. I can still look at her and my heart skips a beat. 
even in the morning before makeup and stuff, I still sometimes feel that way. But there's something to that, and, and as Christians, we need to continue to have that. And here we are at Christmas time, and it's another Christmas, and another year passes, and many of us in this room are another year married, another year older, another year older as a dad or a mom, another year older as a grandma and a grandpa, another year older as a, as a worker, and sometimes this cruel world begins to deprive of us, deprive us of that joy. I read recently that old men that get in their 70s, 80s turn into one of two things. They turn into happy, joyful grandpas. They turn into old, grumpy men. There's no in between. It's either one or the other. And I told my wife, I said, I ever turn into an old, grumpy man. Just take me to the Bahamas. Take me way out deep in the water. Push me off the boat and say, enjoy your snorkeling expedition. And then come back and I'll just see Jesus from the Caribbean Sea. That'll be fine with me. And uh, I don't want to be one of those old, grumpy men because God has been good to us. But there are ways that we can consistently have that. My dad is physically gone, but I still feel like I can make him smile. But I want to go to a whole new level because as much as I love and adore my dad, and my dad would be thrilled to hear me say this, he has nothing on my Satan. And as much as I love my kids and I've tried to be a, the best dad I could be to them, I have nothing on their Savior, nothing on their Satan. The Savior, Jesus Christ, has been so good to us. And this story is so beautiful. I, I feel like sometimes at Christmas we, we do make more to do of Luke 2 because it is such an amazing chapter. But Matthew 2, I want you to think about this. This Matthew 2, the difference between Matthew 2 and Luke 2. Luke 2, shepherds are out in the field, probably unlearned men. They weren't expecting the Messiah, right? They, they were surprised by this angel. And God said, tell those shepherds down there. And the shepherds responded, great. I'm not faulting the shepherds at all. They jumped up with anticipation and said, we can't believe this. And at first they were scared to death, but then they realized what's going on. And they run to Bethlehem and they see this baby and their lives are transformed. And they start telling the whole world as soon as they can. But Matthew chapter 2's crew is a different crew. These are people that have been searching for years. They've been studying and reading and, and hearing things. And, and, and these aren't Jewish men, you understand that. They, they came from the east. These people are headed west, coming from the east. These are wise men, the Bible calls them. In other words, if they showed up in your town, they had a reputation that preceded them. They carried with them treasures, no doubt, probably a security detail. And I know so many times people say, well, there's three wise men. There's a good chance. Some say there could have been 40, 50, or even 60 wise men coming. Can you imagine 60 men showing up at your house with all the fancy clothes and and just that, you know, you know what I'm talking about. When you get in a room full of wise men, men that are leaders, men that are, men that are just strong, driven men, there's something about being around a man like that. Imagine having dozens of them show up at your house, and they're there and not to meet you and your, or your husband or you and your wife, but to see the baby that was born. This child, now, this is a little bit past. The shepherds have already seen it. They're no longer in the stable, like contrary to what people think. They come and see them a little bit later. So here they come to see baby Jesus. They find this, this young child, and they bear him gifts. They bear him gifts. They, they, they are so excited about, about finding him. And listen, let me tell you three simple things tonight that we can learn from this chapter on how we can continue to make our Savior smile tonight. Number one, never lose your desire for the seek. To seek, to seek him. You say, well, no preacher, I found him. Okay, yes, actually he found us first, but we found him, praise God. We got saved, right? 
But I want you to look at Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 real quickly. Verse 1, it says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, king, uh, Bethlehem of Judah in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east of Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Now, there's a lot of debate about how much time passes. Some people think Jesus may have been two years old when the wise men finally found him. The way you read that verse, sometimes you think, oh, well, they were there right away. But you've got to understand, they traveled far, and they didn't have trains, planes, and automobiles back then. So there's going to be some time that passes. I don't think that he was two years old, but that's, that's not what I'm here to debate about. The fact is, the search was on. They wanted to seek Jesus Christ. The search was on. Can I challenge you tonight? Boy, I, this is a challenge to myself. Never lose that desire you have to get to know Jesus just a little bit better. I mean, yes, he's found me and I found him. And yes, I'm saved. And yes, I'm going to heaven someday. And yes, I've been born again. And yes, I know that Jesus Christ is my, the son of God. And I'm now a son of God because he gave me power to become the sons of God. Praise the Lord for that. What a blessing it is. But boy, there's so much about him I can learn. His holiness and his perfection. And his, as Brother Josh just said a while ago, one of his titles is wonderful. That's just one of his titles. There's, there's hundreds of titles. I'll never forget the story that was told one time about a meeting in Congress years ago. And uh, they said that a man stood up and began to brag on his his God Allah and he he got to about 50 names and he stopped and a Christian finally stood up and said is that all you have and he said yes and he began to name the names of God and he finally sat down not because not because he ran out of names but because time ran out and he had gone over 300 names of God 300 names of God that's your God that's my God and to think that I can seek him still and learn about him. And I fail because there's times I don't desire him like I should. And there's times I let my flesh get in the way. And there's times I let my fatigue or weariness get in the way. Or maybe there's crazy things going on in this world. Or maybe there's some uh, uh, the darkness out there and it begins to haunt me or bother me. We all go through those ups and downs in life. But can I tell you something? There's something, something so powerful and real about desiring to seek Jesus Christ. The old saying goes, wise men still seek Jesus. Wise men still seek Jesus. Number two, don't lose the joy. Jesus said, your joy no man can take from you. And then Jesus says that he, my joy I give unto you. And here's what the Bible says when they did find him. And when you continue to find them, look at verse 10. I love this. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. When, let, me, let me kind of rephrase that to fit to today. When they found access to Jesus, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. You see, we're not necessarily looking for the star anymore. The reason they were looking for the star is because the star was where Jesus was. And so today, for 2023, it's... When you realize you have access to Jesus, you should have exceeding great joy. Exceeding great joy. Well, how do I have access to Jesus? I have it right here. I have it through the church. I have it through prayer. I have it through meditation. I have it through praise. I have it through many, many venues that these men didn't even have. But you talk about just going out by faith, carrying these treasures around, riding on these, these big beasts, animals, trying to get to that destination, trying to find where Jesus is. And boy, they followed that star, and they followed that star, and they even, they were so influential, they even had an audience with Herod who asked them, hey, tell us where that star is going to be so I can come and worship him. And those wise men, thank God they were wise enough to know, they got on to him, they figured him out. They said, no, no, you, you're not going to come for the same motive or reasons that I am. May I ask you tonight, hey, could we still have that sweet, innocent 
innocent motive, that sweet, innocent desire to say, I cannot believe that the Son of God knows my name. I'm a Gentile. I'm a dog. I deserve to go to hell. I am a sinner. I'm a chiefest of sinners. I've done wicked and foolish things. I deserve uh, the judgment and the condemnation and the damnation that, that I have coming to me. But Jesus Christ stripped it all away. He saved my soul. Oh, blessed be his holy name. When's the last time you had joy just thinking about being able to hear, sing, testify, worship Jesus? There's two or three men in this church that call me almost every single week because they want to share a nugget with me. And boy, it blesses my heart. Sometimes I'll say, sometimes they talk to me for 45 minutes and they'll say, I'm sorry I've kept you so long. I'm like, no, man. It thrills my heart when somebody wants to talk to God, about God, to me. To talk about the Lord to me. Miss Paulette called me the other day about a Bible study discovery she made. And just, oh, preach, I just had to call and tell somebody. She got so excited, she just had to call somebody. Boy, that blessed my heart to hear somebody happy to talk about the things of God. Listen, I'm, I'm glad for an engagement. Praise the Lord for that. I'm glad for the prison reports we're going to get tonight. Brother Steve and Miss uh, Ruth are leaving right now. And Brother Andy just walked out and they're, they're going to... The sinners are walking the aisle. No, just kidding. Uh, they're going out to preach in the prisons. Praise the Lord for that. I love, I love hearing those reports and all that stuff. But, man, isn't it something when just, when just God floods your heart, when God speaks something to your heart, God lays something on your heart, you're just like, i got to share it. My daughter, Brielle, is constantly coming home and saying, Dad, I was listening to this preaching while I was cleaning this house, and what do you think of this? What do you think of that? And Boy, this thought came to my mind, and, boy, next thing you know, we're having a 15-minute Bible study about things of God. I tell you what, that just blesses my heart. You know what it does with Jesus? It makes him smile. He looks over and smiles. Many, many services. Brother George comes up with some, some new sermon idea that he gets from a sermon that's being preached here or something. And, and he's usually stumbling around on his phone trying to find some picture to show me. And, and the day he gets technological savvy, get ready because the rapture is going to happen. I promise you that right now. <laughs> but <laughs> how many got nervous a while ago when he started to tell that joke? Wesley was, yeah, Hannah and Wesley got nervous. We all got an older our breath, but praise the Lord, he had a big black belt. All right, praise the Lord. So, so keep moving along, moving along, nothing to see here. Uh, but but just, the, just the, the joy in it and the spirit of just, wow, I'm getting to talk about my Jesus. Don't lose that joy. I still have a date night with my wife. Why? Because I don't want to lose that joy. I, I, have, I, want, I want to discipline myself enough to, to, to look forward to that date night. On the days of our date, we text each other. I'll text her and give her three choices of a restaurant. And then she picks one of the three. That way I know I'm happy because I gave her three choices. McDonald's, Burger King. No, no, we don't do that, no. I give her three choices, and she gives me one, and then we go out on a date, and we sit around the table, and we just talk. And the other night, we sat there and talked and talked and talked, and we had a three-hour date, and it was just so sweet. Why? I don't want to get over that stuff. I fail, but I don't want to. Number one, the seek. Number two, the joy. Number three, and I love this one, don't ever get over. Don't ever lose the blessing of being able to give to Jesus. Now, what are you talking about, preacher? How, how can we give? Watch this. I want to show you something that's really neat here. This is something that is such an encouragement to all of us here because we're not necessarily going to give him gold, frankincense, and myrrh, but watch what the Bible here says, and I'm done be, I'll be done. Look at verse 11. Matthew chapter 2. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary's mother and fell down and worshipped him. Boy, right there, that makes him smile. And when they had opened their, by the way, by the way, I want you to just real quick thought, real quick. They worshipped him pre-crucifixion and resurrection. We get to worship him post-crucifixion and resurrection. Boy, our worship ought to be more, a whole lot more intense and more heartfelt. It should. This is pre-crucifixion resurrection, post-crucifixion resurrection. Wow. All right, watch this. Watch this. And when they had opened their treasures, they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him, watch this, gifts. Here's the gifts. Here's what they presented. Gold, 
frankincense, myrrh. Let me, let me bring that to you today. Let me bring, let me bring that up. Let me just tell you this real quick. Gold represented king, a kingship, the, a, a, a king, kingdoms, gold. Gold was a big deal for king. Kings always talked about kings of empires, talked about how much gold they had. Gold was always a big thing. That, that refers to the kingship of Christ. Frankincense was what they used in the high priests. It represented the priesthood. So Jesus is the king physically. He's the priest spiritually. But don't miss this one. Myrrh was what they used to anoint the body of death, the crucifixion. So let me bring it to 2023 today. Because what makes Jesus smile is not going to be necessarily you open up a big treasure chest and handing him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But let me just show it to you, illustrate it to you differently. I'm going to watch Brielle do this too because open your heart. That's where your treasures are, right? And give him the worship that he deserves as a king. Give him the meditation he deserves as the priest, the Messiah, the Christ. And then give him the thanksgiving because he died on the cross for you and for me. And when we do these simple principles every day, it doesn't take long, just a few minutes. It's amazing how you can almost sense a wry smile escaped the mouth of Jesus Christ. A little smirk maybe and he smiles and he's pleased once again that his children, that his redeemed ones meditated on him and thought about him and pleased him. Let's make Jesus smile this Christmas. Heads your bowed eyes are closed. Thank you for listening to the word. Holding their son at the end of the day Out in a cattle stall Hosting the shepherds and the angels and kings So overwhelmed by it all Somehow those meager surroundings became a place where all history forever was changed. The wonder of all of the world on this night was born in a manger as God's perfect child. And into our hearts shone a heavenly light, the wonder of all of the world, the wonder of all of the world. Thousands of years have gone by since his birth, and none have been quite the same. So many people choose not to believe, ignoring what Christmas means. But whether it's holy or just holiday, he is the reason we all celebrate the wonder of all. 
born in the manger as God's perfect child and into our hearts shone a heavenly light the wonder of all of the world the wonder of all of the world the wonder of all of the more than silver or fine gold and you are sweeter than the honeycomb the words of every tongue and tribe cannot tell all that you are oh treasure of my heart Jesus child of wonder there's no other one like you, Savior, Lord, so precious in your presence, all is new. Jesus, child of wonder, I worship you. adore him, Jesus, child of wonder. 
Shit. 